Hello. This chapter is called Revisiting Psychic Trauma, Third Eye Experience, Part 2. This is the second part of the first part. So if you're listening to this first, please go and listen to the first portion of this. uh, Because this is the remainder of this chapter. So I will continue. After leaving her office, oh my god, I got sunflower seeds in my mouth. (laughs) That's not gonna make reading easy. One second. Okay. All right, now we're back. After leaving her office, I went to the park and began reflecting on why it had taken me so long to decide to remain sober. Why not before graduate school? Why did I not listen to my former therapist, Mr. Delium, who warned me I would not make it through graduate school if I continued using substances? I was so angry at the time I disregarded him, but he was right. It had been nearly eight months since our therapy session was preemptively terminated due to my irrational suspicions, which caused me not to trust him. I was more bothered that he wanted me to stop an activity that I had emotional ties to. But he was absolutely right in his discernment. I knew I needed to muster the courage to email him, so I did. I wrote to him explaining that he was right about everything, that I could not finish school and I was not able to maintain my new job, which forced me to quit. I told him that I thought that he was gifted and I wished him well in his profession. It took a lot to, it took a lot to be honest to him, considering I thought he was the devil at one point in time. I no longer carried that delusion about him and I realized he meant well for him to offer me his sound advice though I could not see it at the time. It is funny how anger distorts reality and substance only compounds the depths of the delusion clouding my senses. I felt I had the strength to say no to weed and alcohol and I had three courageous days behind me which proved that I was in control. If God is with me, I can do anything. I became more intentional about everything I did, putting all of my focus into writing my book. It was one day at a time, and with medication, therapy, and mindfulness, along with my spirituality, I was more than a conqueror. I remember Pastor Mike saying, Our lives are not not for us. What that meant for me was that I believe that I have been put on this earth to fulfill a purpose, and it is not to waste it lusting on worldly pursuits, rather to find my purpose, which I have, allowing that purpose to be my constant aim, establishing it in my heart as a guardian and a sovereign. A supremely virtuous authority, surpassing all pleasure, beauty, passion, and desire. A union as unalterable and eternal as time's power. I make a vow daily to my purpose, treasuring it like a jewel, praising it while it commands the motion of my hands and feet. As I walk into its rays, with my hands stretched toward its luminousness, I present the silver line. I present the sun with a bouquet of sunflowers, taking my place on that cloud, riding the silver lining to salvation. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make our face shine upon us. 
make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Psalms 80 and 7. I reflected on how many on my current psychologist and how she triggered my attitude. Wait, let me say that again. I reflected on how my current psychologist triggered the same attitude I had with Mr. Dillium. Though there was truth to why I felt there were toxic American systems keeping minorities down, I could not allow my feelings to interfere with my therapist's sessions by holding on to the grudges that did not allow me to heal. So I finally got over this debilitating cancer growing in my brain. This was not before calling my psychologist a princess and telling her I hated white people. And then I told my psychiatrist that she was a moron for trying to change my medications for the second time. Honestly, I did not hate white people, but I hated that darkness residing in them, attempting to disquietly sabotage minorities' aspirations. I leave therapy getting nowhere, and I feel drained and zapped of energy and irritated after conducting sessions with them. And then I told my psychologist to her face that I thought she was a manipulator and a liar, and I did not trust her. However, I looked forward to seeing her in the future sessions, despite my reservations, because I knew it was a test to test to trust white people whom I feel are evil I saw having a white therapist as an opportunity for me to reveal light in the face of darkness the more we debate the more we learn about each other I feel I influence her in a way and the helping experience was reciprocal which allowed me to trust her back after explaining my frustrations to my psychiatrist she pretended to validate my concerns about slavery and then she changed the subject abruptly while I was in the middle of explaining my concerns about white America. It was so bizarre and she could not keep her eye contact because she caught herself blocking the emotion that I feel hits a lot of white people at the core when black people bring up slavery. Then she said I had a mood problem and she recommended increasing my medication dose. Then she suggested changing the medication altogether, all in the same sentence. <laughs> Black people have suffered too long due to advice of unqualified mental health workers. I was annoyed that she was being manipulative and not treating me humanly, but like a guinea pig. And then I called her a moron and said that she cannot be getting paid all this money that she earns to treat her clients inhumanly. <sighs> then I abruptly jumped out of my seat and stormed for the door, but then caught myself and then sat back down calmly to compose myself. I left reverting back to thinking negative thoughts that I did not desire. I thought I was over this brutal feeling about white people. Either they are inherently racist or they want to kill my light because they are bitter and miserable in their own lives. But this did not make me angry, but only aware. I know it may never get better with white people, but I am grateful God has taken the spirit of hate out of my heart because what we need is in this world, not a revolutionary. What we need in this world now are revolutionaries of love. And I cannot love if I'm hating white therapists. She would never know the power she possessed until she reached deep inside of her to honor someone else. And with God, she could be tamed. We are here for each other to help carry our souls toward that light unless she is dysgenic and her souls rejects the light or she is an evil demon in human form pretending to help veterans only God knows I don't know and I am too exhausted to care but if we continue our relationship I needed to change for good now that I was aware of my role I wanted to bear relations with white people 
as for writing negatively about how I feel about the way they have chosen to handle black people, I swore I would never waste, I would not, I swore I would stop wasting pages of my life trying to articulate how much pain they have caused me and the world. Moving forward, I make the promise to write about my goals, dreams, and aspirations because nothing will keep me from attaining them. I will fill these pages with pleasant thoughts and brighter days to come. The devil will not take my gift by consuming my mind with hate. There can be no joy in giving my power away, even if it's, it is only to heal. Healing comes from within, not from without. After declaring this, I did not feel negative emotions coming up for weeks on end, so I thought I was cured. But when one suppresses, it masks the emotions behind the energy as well. I should have known this considering I felt so strongly about my father and the abuse I endured after so many years. I had to be truthful that there were ills about white people that I could just not reason with. But if I could learn to overcome their attempts at instilling hate in the world, I may be able to heal myself if not only the people I come in contact with. This process needed to start with me and not be conditioned on how they treated me. This would be determined if I truly am a master of my own mind. I needed to learn how to love them. My victory would be dependent on it. I had to learn to let go of anger, hate, bitterness, and pity for them. I needed to show them the God who I serve and let them know through my actions that God is real and he can do all things, even heal our hearts from hate and racism. As the tears ran down my face, as the bloody images of slaves flashed before my mind, I knew I could not make love conditional on an apology that I would never get. It hurts, but God needed me to be the master of my own heart, even if it hurts, if it's hurting. In the book of John, 1 John 2 and 2, it is written, He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Priscilla the Oracle told me that I was an empath. This might be the reason why I'm so sensitive to people's energy, but from here on out, I swore to eradicate hate from my heart. I would no longer suppress undesirable feelings about white people, solely based on their racial histories. No one is in control of this world but God, so I must know if he allows it to happen, it is for our good. I wanted to fully live in the truth that I have no enemies, only the one that I create in my mind, and there is no real threat of racism, but the only my mind own victimhood reflecting out in plain sight. From here on out, I will love everyone, and never will I assume someone is racist, but will atone in my heart their actions. I have come too far to let victimhood rob me of this new energy. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Peter 4 and 8. And that is the finale of that chapter. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It was a blessing to share this story. Goodbye.